Hello and welcome back to the Inner Round Podcast. I am your host, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is David Harris. Hello. And Mike Bresen. Hello. Um, so if this is your first time listening to the Inner Round Podcast, welcome. Um... Well, so what the In and Around podcast is, is every week the three of us, and sometimes there might be more of us, uh, get together and we uh, debate the issues of the week, so, and sometimes the wider themes that are in and around the uh, sport of football. Um, this week we're going to be talking about uh, some transfer news, uh, some of the, the big ones that have happened just as we have actually uh, started recording, really. Bruno Fernandes, the transfer saga of the j- January and the summer has finally got over the line, signed for Man United for around about £50 million. Pounds. Um, Bergwijn, Bergwijn uh, has gone to Spurs for twenty-seven million, and is there another one? Ericsson's gone. Ericsson's gone. That's the one. That's Was that twenty million? Eighteen. Eighteen. God, what a steal! Um, we're also going to be rounding up the FA Cup action. Uh, Chelsea, Hull, Newcastle, Oxford, and a small little one called Liverpool Shrewsbury that had no shocks at all. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking Carabao Cup action as Villa reach a major cup final. Uh, in the Carabao, um, beating Leic- beating Leicester on uh, aggregate, yeah, two one. Yeah. Well, they won last night technically. Yeah. Um, and we're also actually going to probably take a look at the, some of the wider themes of football this week. Um, we're going to debate uh, whether or not fans of bigger clubs need to be more careful when they're com- complaining about their clubs. Um, we're also going to talk about football Twitter as a whole and whether or not it's a. Uh, actually making the game worse and that's probably a good place to start so for for a bit of context we're recording on wednesday the uh, 29th of january and last night um a group of balaclava wearing man united fans um threw flares at ed woodward's house um and it sort of led to a debate in our group chat in both our one between the three of us and one with our wider friendship group about um, the behaviour of fans in football. So I think we should start off by saying that um, all three of us are in agreement that it's absolutely abhorrent behaviour and shouldn't be happening in the sport of football. And at the end of the day, I think it's really important to remember because it's head up as we get about it. At the end of the day, it's you've got 22 men on the pitch chasing after a ball that they're trying to kick in between two links. Football is dumb, football is stupid, and that's how we should keep it. Um, lads, uh, do you want to quickly have a word on the Woodward... Uh, house issue. Mike, you're a Man United fan. I can imagine you were as disgusted as I was. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, horrible notification to get late last night. Um, Whatever you might think about Ed Woodward, the Glazers, as a United fan, uh, this certainly is not the way to go about anything. Um, You can do a bit of chanting, a bit of protesting, like that's fair enough, but going to someone's (laughs) house where their kids are... Two young children. Two young children. Um... Their wife is, but there's just no reason to bring them into it. And even the personal attack, to be honest, is far too far. It's totally disgraceful. Um, I'm pretty horrified that we have to call them Man U fans. I don't, I don't know if they're really yeah. fans of football or Man U yeah, I'm at not all. Sure they're even football yeah. fans. <clears throat> um, yeah, pretty shocking behaviour. I hope everyone in that house was all right. Dave, you're a Blues fan. You're used to um, owners being, I would say, um, pretty typical of what the Glazers are for United. Um, not, not great. Not great getting the club into disrepute. Yeah. But you, you must have, in all your years supporting Blues, have you ever seen anything like this? Um, I mean, maybe a bit of chanting and booing towards them when they're in their director's box. Uh, but saying that, even regarding chanting, the chants 
about Ed Woodward being cut up and dead. Yeah. Ed, Ed's dead well, or whatever yeah, that's it is. Not, that's, that's not okay. That's disgusting. I uh, saw a video of it and obviously I'm not trying to group all Man U fans because obviously no, it's no. a tiny minority anyway. Uh, but there was definitely a couple of hundred people maybe chanting um, yeah. in the ground, which in its own right is shocking. Um, when I saw the video, to be honest, I was hoping it was fake. Yeah. I was hoping no one had come to this. Uh, but unfortunately, it's real. Um, and obviously, I just can't believe that someone's gone to that length. Um, I mean, throwing the flare at the end of the day, you know, that could cause some serious damage to someone and his family. Could burn the house down. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Gary Lineker is one of the few that I've seen very active today in defending um, Ed Woodward as he should mm-hmm. um, and I'm not going to lie I've been shocked absolutely shocked and appalled by how many people have been defending the actions of these people mm-hmm. um, it's absolutely appalling and I know that the football side of things is totally separate to this at this point um, I was. I think it's such a. I can't. The fact that Bruno Fernandez has been announced for United it's on this day. It's not ironic, is it? But is it's... is unbelievably annoying. I just. I'm. I was so angry. Um, the guy is doing the best that he can. Well, he's not a football brain. We know this about Ed Woodward, and he's his, a businessman. Yeah, his suitability for the job is, to, it, in terms of the foot, the footballing side of things, it's clear to see he's not. As good as perhaps you would like him to be. It's not necessarily his fault. No. However, this is this is totally apart from football now. These are people that that need the club came out and were very strong as they should have been. Yeah, absolutely. In their condemnation, and uh, I mean, we've only got a tiny little podcast and not many people listen to. However, we would like to say how disgusted we were, and if you support this, sod off. Yeah. Um, and it actually leads us into a, a topic that was already going to be a topic this week. Um. And we also have to start on another very sad note, is that um, on Sunday night uh, over here, uh, the basketball player, Kobe Bryant, was involved in a aeroplane crash. Not aeroplane crash, helicopter, helicopter crash, <clears throat> uh, along with his daughter and a few other people. And again, we'll pass on our condolences. Kobe Bryant, um, I'm a big basketball fan myself. Um, I loved him as a sportsman. I have very complicated feelings about him as a man, but obviously this is a very, very sad thing. And... I was sat there watching NBA Twitter come together and be ultimately incredibly supportive and a place that actually made me enjoy the sport more. And it's a common thing with NBA Twitter. It has its own hashtag, it has its own name, and it the NBA has used to been really proactive in making it into this thing that enhances their product. And it's made me love the sport more. And it is totally in context to how I personally have been feeling with football now. I think... I've explained this to you, I've explained this to you, definitely, Dave. Is that I'm starting to, because we all use Twitter, we all like Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, every time I have I interact with football Twitter, and it was particularly bad last night with all the United fans um, supporting this. It's particularly making me fall out of love with football increasingly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say at this point that I know I'm falling totally out of love with football. I still love my club, support my club, but it's really damaging how I feel about the game because I just feel it's toxic and it's a total, total disgrace, quite frankly, how people are using it. And there's lot, tons of absolutely great stuff out there, but I don't know if it's affecting the rest of you the way it's affected me. Um, yeah, I mean, football Twitter 
What you said, I mean, I'm not huge on basketball, uh, but what I've seen from NBA Twitter, it's like a community. Um, the perfect way to describe to, it. To label football Twitter as a community, if it is a community, it's a very dysfunctional and savage one, to be frank. Uh, people just seem to use Twitter to make pretty disgusting arguments. I've seen a lot of racist tweets, especially from football Twitter, I think some people get involved just because they can hide behind a picture of a footballer, to be quite honest. Uh, there's no real... I think a lot of people in football Twitter aren't interested in even debating things no. in like a sort of normal way. It's just attacking people or attacking other teams is what, what it seems to be Mike, like. Mike, you've introduced uh, me, certainly, to the better side of football Twitter in that we follow a new and around account, which you can follow at in and around pub. Don't worry, even after this round, we're not shutting it down. Um, <laughs> you've introduced me to a lot of really interesting accounts, um, things that, like Stats Bomb, uh, for example. Oh, one, and that. then there's loads of tons of, like, Sam Tyre always bang on about being a great follower. Sometimes. Um, you've introduced me to the good side, so you might have a slightly different view, but... I don't know. I want. I'm quite eager to get your thoughts on the state of Twitter and how it's used in football. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, a lot of the fan pages, <coughs> uh, well, not necessarily fan pages. A lot of the fan pages are pretty good. Um, it's a lot of like you say, people in the comments hiding behind an image of someone else. For me, no flick. They yeah. can say they can say whatever <laughs> they like. Uh, it's never really going to come back to bite them, and that's probably where your problem lies there. Like you were saying, there's plenty of good accounts out there that are worth a follow. If you go to our page and have a look through the people we follow, there's your good side yeah. of uh, football Twitter. So luckily I spend a lot of my time on that account rather yeah. than my own. So I just see uh, a lot of the good stuff. <clears throat> um, so you're looking at threads about transfers, um, interesting stats. There's all sorts, obviously, that you can find out. Um so yeah, I'm, I quite enjoy many parts of football Twitter, but there's plenty out there that uh, you wouldn't want to be involved in or have to look at, yeah. particularly if you're the players or yeah. managers or Ed Woodward. You don't want to be looking at some of this stuff on there. If I was yeah. a player, I wouldn't have Twitter. Well, the, the, the players see it. Um, Frank Lampard a few weeks ago said, um, mentioned in his press conference that Hudson Odoi was asking people if they'd seen things on Twitter, and Hudson Odoi is um, 19 years of age. <laughs> he's on a hell of a lot of money a week um, but that's no excuse for some of the abuse he's been getting and I just I find it more and more zapping my love of the game every time and maybe that's just me having enough of it but I just I just spent the last week compare. I spent the last few days comparing the and it is a bit of an unfair time to compare them but um, I just think we have there's such a great example of how people can use as a community to make jokes and have fun and say interesting things and then on this other side you've got this absolute what to me often feels like a cesspit yeah um and it, it brings us on to our second topic um about twitter but more fan complaining in general we had an argument me and dave, well not an argument we had a debate me and dave over whatsapp in our group chat because dave put in uh, i think your original text was about man united spurs and Arsenal, Arsenal fans complaining about being in crisis. Now, Dave, just to point this out, did this... It was Saturday, wasn't it? I think it may have been Monday. Monday, God. The, the week's Sunday going or Monday. It was certainly before the Ed Woodward stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, and this isn't really about the Ed Woodward stuff. No. And Dave's point is more that he seemed to think that big clubs should 
when fans of big clubs complain, they should almost take into account the wider context of sport. Yeah. Sport in general. I'm, obviously, it's hard to put something across on WhatsApp. What I'm getting at is more... Obviously, every fan, whatever club you support, they're obviously what you care about most. However, I feel real football fans have an awareness of the wider picture. So, what I feel is, like, I'm a Birmingham City fan. We've been home for a terrible time for ages. I have every right to moan about that. Just like Man United fans, you know, they've come off the back of the Fergie era. And it's just been going downhill ever since. They obviously have a right to argue about that. But when you consider some other teams that are around, Kitter in and around, uh, they're still doing a hell of a lot better than most teams. Great podcast, by the um, So, yeah, I, I do get what you're saying. You've got fans. an analogy. I do have an analogy, Will. Um, so, basically, please let me explain this, because obviously an individual is totally different to a club. Uh, so, basically, imagine a businessman, Will. Uh, and he's been earning 150k a year for 15 years, and he's got a Lamborghini, he's got a massive house. Over the last five years, the business he works for hasn't been doing as well, but obviously he's still had this salary, he's still got the same reputation. And then after five years of it not doing so well, his wage gets halved, he has to downsize his house, he trades in his Lamborghini, he gets a BMW. Obviously he's gutted about it, and his family are gutted about it, all of his friends, people that he used to look down on are now above him. But the thing is, he's still doing a hell of a lot better than most people. And obviously he has a right to feel angry with how his life's gone. But there's a hell of a lot of people that would take, <laughs> well, love to be in his position. And obviously, again, I say it's, it's very different between a football club and an individual. But a Man United fan, to complain about you know, not making the Champions League, most clubs don't have never even competed in the Champions League. Okay. Um, I've heard what you're saying. Um, again, I do think it is in totally informed by the fact that you're a fan of Birmingham City. In that you're, they're a club who obviously are struggling relative... And they've got totally different problems to Man United, for example. We're going to use Man United as the example. Um, however, at the end of the day, I think when you ask a fan complaining about a club to take into account other clubs you're um, and putting their place in context, you're removing what it is to be a fan. Um, f- football fandom is... You're a fan... It depends what you're talking. If you're talking about... It depends what comes first to you. Does the sport come first to you or does love of your club come first to you? Because if you're asking if you're asking a fan, because origin this originated because you were fed up of United fans complaining about crisis on Twitter. Yeah. And I would argue, and my my point is, and still is, that you cannot expect a fan to take wider context into that account when they're complaining about their club. Because ultimately what you're asking them to do is to lose what makes being a fan of something special. Because... To me, as a fan of Chelsea Football Club, for example, what I enjoy about being a fan of Chelsea Football Club is that I take the good and the bad. When there's mm-hmm. when there's something when Kepa's not making a save for like seventy five weeks in a row, I like to complain about that. And I never he's at the end of the day he was a, I can acknowledge he was a seventy one million pound goalkeeper, which is more turnover than some clubs have ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it removes part of my enjoyment of being a fan and it removes part of my agency as being a fan 
to remove that level of complaining. If I have to go every time I say it or something and say, oh, Kepa's, Kepa's terrible. However, he's not as terrible as Lee Camp. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's, okay. a re- that's a real problem for me. I get what you mean. But again, surely there's been times where you've gone, oh, we're doing bad, but at least we're not Fulham. Rivals? Yeah, well, for everyone compares. Yeah, yeah. Ev- everyone, everyone compares, but they shouldn't have to compare every time. And everyone compares their within their class. I'm not. So I'm not saying they have to compare every time. Obviously, when people get angry, <laughs> you you're tunnel visioned. If I'm ranting about Blues, I don't care about anyone else. But when I'm over the anger and I remove myself, I will think of a wider picture. And I think a, a general a general football fan, however much they love their team. There are times when they're removed from some passionate argument or feeling that they have, and they can look around in a, a wider spectrum. A, but the backlash, the back, take, Barry, take when Berry were going downhill, for example. Mm-hmm. There was a real trend on Twitter, for example, where people were going, Berry Football Club are in, are in a rut, are in a rut, you can't. And then you had Man United fans complaining that they hadn't bought um, someone in the Bruno Fernandes, funnily enough, in the summer. And there was a backlash to that because at the end of the day, I don't. This is going to sound really callous. I don't care about Berry Football Club. I don't care. I ju- I don't care. Let me just make. I can't make that clear enough. I don't care. I'm a fan of the sport. I like watching the sport. I don't care about this other club. And it when I when I start talking about my club, at no point am I ever going to go. Well, at least we're not Matlock Town FC. It's just not going to happen. I might say. I might compare us to people within our class. I might go. Well, we're. We're we're not having a good season, but we're the only team in London with a European Cup. That was for you, Ollie White. Um, <laughs> but I'm never going. To, I don't think it's reason. I don't think it's a reasonable assumption to ask to ask a fan to automatically go. Let me think about the wider context. And this came from you getting annoyed at someone on Twitter. For, I, I know the picture that annoyed you. It was barbed wire and a Manchester United yeah. thing, oh, and, let me, and it was and it was a it was a bad it was a bad picture. However, it's not like you were reading every single one of these no, accounts. No, of course not. Tweets. It's. I just think. I just think it's totally unrealistic to expect that from a fan, and it is also um, contradicts totally what fandom is. Do you have an opinion, Mike? Yeah, well, I can see both sides because. Um... I used to be, well, I still obviously, I'm a Man U fan, which will never change, but I used to be more tunnel vision like Will. But over the last few years, I've become more of a fan of just football. So I look out, I want to know that Man U are doing well, which they're not. Um, But also I want to know what's happening elsewhere. So it's it's a tough one for me to say, because I'm probably different to a lot of football fans. Like you're saying, a lot of football fans will, will just want to know what, the Crystal Palace score was, mm. and they don't care about what Newcastle are doing, apart from the fact that they might be relegation rivals. I do care about what Newcastle are doing. That was born out of goal one, Santi <laughs> Munez. I'll never forget it. What a hero. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that most fans would at least um, take that picture about United, the club being in crisis. You can at least think just down the road, your club's not going out of business like Barry did. Yeah, no, let me... Now, it depends what you count the crisis as, because I would say that, man, you... Yes, they're in a crisis for them, but they're not in a crisis, as in they're not going bust in the next three years, are they? Um, I think, again, while I, I, I do understand that even as a fan of football and sport, I can look at other clubs when I take my club hat off 
and think about other sports. Like when when Barry, I know I said I didn't care about Barry, but when they were going out of business, I was like, oh, that's I made a, that quite clear. Yeah, I made it quite clear. <laughs> but I was saying at the same time, I was like, oh, that's a bad thing, but it's not affecting my day. Um, my point is more, it's unrealistic and quite frankly, I think unfair to expect our perspective from fans of clubs because ultimately fans of clubs not fans of the sport are what keep the clubs going you don't get you don't get 40 odd thousand people turn up at Villa Park every week because they love football they turn up because they love the Villa and to expect them to they love football it just happens that Villa are their team. team yeah but at some point you love the club more than you love football I would say because if that was the case they would go to Eventually, this any is, other ground. This is strange because I'd say I'm a fan of football. Like, unless if I can watch a game of football that's on, I will try and watch it. Yeah. Uh, unless obviously, yeah, it was to be okay. I don't know, say Aston Villa and West Brom. Uh, oh, probably not. God, I wouldn't watch. It. Probably not going to want to watch <laughs> two of the, my team's biggest rivals. But yeah, I I guess I can see your side, Will. But I think from my perspective. Maybe it's because Birmingham City aren't as much in the headlines. I imagine with Chelsea, there's transfer window and Man United. No. You could spend hours researching what's been discussed yeah. about you. We've got Scott Hogan on loan from our local rivals, and no that's about even, it. No one even knew about and it. And there's been a couple of bids like for Jude Bellingham, but that's only been in the press because it's Man United. We're not on TV yeah. every week. Maybe that's why I'm more removed, because... Yeah. If I want to watch football, like, it's going to have to be more general than my, my team. And we've talked about it in a wider context, but I think now to take it localised and to take your points, what you two seem to both, I think, be expecting is what you're doing is, you're much like me with the same thing, you're projecting your thoughts and feelings about the sport onto what you believe that everyone else should have as well. You believe that everyone else should care about the sport like we care about the sport, because to you that's natural. Whereas I think a lot of people, and a lot of people... I think gravitate towards a club and they want to complain about their club and the rest of the sports are there that they can go to when they want it but I think what we're seeing is far more people are just involved at a club level I mean yeah that might be true yeah I, and I think Dave with your love of the game and you love the game almost more than almost as much as anyone I've ever met who's terrible at playing it <laughs> um, but you but you love that you love the game and you love the game Brez in ways that I would say are different to the normal person. Your average man yeah, loves your average man your average well. bloke loves going to the pub having a few jars and watching football, but they don't love football enough to go home and Twitter and go, What was Jamie Vardy's XG for the weekend? <laughs> and how mental is that stat? I mean it's less mental now, but I mean at the end of the day was oh, pretty wild at we, one point. <laughs> the three of us are the three of us are sat in my bedroom, uh, recording a football podcast which shows that we're not your average football fan. And I think to expect that behaviour from your average football fan is slightly unrealistic and perhaps unfair to them. But mm. I get your point. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Let us know you think what yeah. you think on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, we'd be actually this is one of the times where I'd actually be really interested in knowing what you lot think. It would be interesting, yeah. Um, let's actually move away from fandom and perhaps the slightly more insavory side of football and let's talk about the magic of the FA Cup. Um, David Harris, Liverpool versus Shrewsbury, or, as Eden Hazard once called them, back when he was playing for the Chelsea, beautiful man, Strawberry. Um, <laughs> it was 2-2, Liverpool led 2-0, I must admit, I looked, thought game was over and stopped watching. Yeah, so Came back for the last 10 minutes, good lord. 
What a game, Dave. Yeah, it was... Well, yeah, I guess for a lot of people it defines the magic of the FA Cup. Shrewsbury and League One not having the best of seasons. Uh, playing Liverpool, who are by far and away top of the Premier League, albeit obviously they didn't put out a full team. But still at the end of the day, Shrewsbury have come back from two goals down against who could very well be the champions of England this year. Oh, God. Um, and are the mate. reigning European champions. Um, World champions. Oh, we don't count that Mickey Mouse Cup. Well, we did win it. I'd love to have it. It's the only um, thing Gary Cahill's is. missing. <laughs> it's a genuine truth. He's fact. not going to win it at Palace. No. Well, you never know. Um, yeah, it was Shrewsbury, sort of great character to come back. Cummings off the bench, scored two goals. They really dug in, made it really hard for Liverpool. Um, Almost won it. It was It was still a strange... Maybe should have. No, I think they should have. Yeah, they, sh- they should have, really. Uh, it was a strange game for me for the fact that Liverpool put out a similar team to Everton in the round before. A better one, I'd say. Yeah, I, I was thinking maybe one. even better. And they totally dominated an Everton first team. But for some reason, it wasn't enough to get past Shrewsbury. Um, and I obviously will talk about Klopp and the replay, but that's coming later. I can answer why um, they beat Everton. It's because Everton are a terrible club. Um, Mike, what do you think? Well, yeah, like you said, um, coming out to the second half, you're 1-0 down. The, the one thing you've got they're to do two, is Shrewsbury. They're 1-0 down. 1-0 half, OK. Um, the one thing you've got to do is not, just not concede for 10 minutes. Keep yourself in the game. Yeah. <laughs> a cross gets put into the far post. And uh, what's his, what's his Don, name? Donald, Donald Love, the ex-Man U player. I mean, seriously, what a finish <laughs> that was. David Moyes signed him as a serious first-team right-back for Sunderland in the Premier League, and, and that speaks volumes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone's obviously seen it. What a horrible moment for him. Um, just just trying to kick it out of play and uh, instead finds his bottom corner. I, I was watching it, and I was like... And I was like I've seen you see some pub league things in football, but that might be one of the worst own goals I've ever seen. Yeah, it, that uh, yeah, it's that just abysmal. Really strange. It reminds me of James Milner at Man City. Season Southampton came up and beat them two one, and Milner for some reason did a very similar thing where he just stroked it into the corner of his net. Well, I've no James really Milner bizarre. slander in this house. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean that was a he's a new man now. The Evergreen. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so so two nil. I mean, that's like you said, it's game over. You switch yeah. it off. You don't need to watch the rest of the game. It's six o'clock. Go and have your dinner. But yeah. um, came back. Jason unbelievably, Cummings. yeah. Jason Cummings off the bench. Couple of goals. He's bounced around a few clubs a little bit, but yeah. maybe he's finding a home. Absolutely. He's going to be a legend there forever now. So uh, just an unbelievable post-match interview. He was cracking me. Up. <laughs> uh, uh, it was one of those things where it was really funny, and then afterwards you're like, "What did he say?" And I just don't remember. Um, <laughs> Lovely, absolutely lovely scenes in the um, studio afterwards. I don't know if yes. you asked it. The, the Shrewsbury, 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 I don't know. We'll go with Shrews. We'll go with the Shrews, Olivier Shrews. Um, that's like terrible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, Gary Lineker lifted up the trophy to the fans out the window. And we talk a lot about the Magic of the FA Cup and we talked about how to fix it a few weeks ago. And um, the George Ellick from the Not The Top 20 pod, I've got the name right, haven't I, Mark? Um... He put out, he quite vocal on Twitter. Another a great Twitter account to follow, actually. Yeah, really good. Follow. Um, he put out a lot of stuff saying that uh, lower league, it, the magic is there for the lower league clubs, yeah. and that it's still there, and that we there's been a lot of backlash this week to talking about maybe making changes after people have requested requested that. 
So lads, for you, um, this round real shock. Is the magic there? Is it, or is it a case of we just don't see it anymore? As the it's, the gaps almost widened between the top. It's and the really strange to think of, really, because me and Mike a few years ago uh, went to some Solial Wars FA Cup, Luton and Yeovil away, and those were probably some of the best games I've ever actually attended. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. So at that level. I think for the smaller teams, the magic's always going to be there. However, to be frank, the top six, the league and Champions League are bigger fish to fry. So, I love the FA Cup. I I love it as well. I think for fans, it's still the the magic's still there for most fans. But like you say, the players, the clubs, it's particularly at the top. It's not not, really bothered about it anymore, which is a shame. It was interesting, uh, the Copa del Rey, I don't know if you've seen what they're doing this year to get the interest back. I haven't, what are they doing? They're, they've kind of, um, they don't draw the, the balls out the hat like we do. They've sort of, it's like a bracket sort of thing. But then the lower league team always plays at home. Yes, oh. I did see that. Yeah. I did see that. And it, it, there's been a few more upsets than we've had in our FA Cup this year yeah. in the Copa del Rey. Which I think is actually really interesting yeah, cool. uh, what they've done there. And by the sounds of it, from what I hear um, from Spain, it's gone down pretty well and everyone's actually enjoying it. And uh, Real Madrid, I think, played Salamanca or something like that in the last round and basically played a full strength team, which yeah, Liverpool went to Shrewsbury, let's say it's a sort of similar matchup. And did not play any anything like their first eleven. Barcelona also played a yeah, pretty full strength team and and almost lost 94th minute 2-1 against Ibiza Uh, talking of magic of the cup Liverpool might not care about a cup replay uh, but on Shrewsbury's hand the million or whatever they'll get for the replay the TV rights that's probably enough to keep them going for an entire calendar year so Um, they're just not getting that sort of revenue from anywhere else I'll take us on to Klopp and mm-hmm. his opinion, his thoughts on the replay in a minute. But let's talk replays in general. Because Gary Lineker today, he got a bit of a paste in. Because he, he was like, we should start the FA Cup before Xmas. And everyone correctly pointed yeah, out it was starts start. in August. Yeah. But he was being... And before. He was, he, was, yeah. he was talking about getting the bigger teams involved earlier. And sort of speeding up the process. Um, he had a very interesting thing that I thought might not be a terrible idea in doing away the replays. Is because often the times when you talk about doing away the replays, we used to talk about um, oh, uh, Sonny or Moors are going away to play Arsenal in the Emirates. It's such a massive thing. They get a bit. Yeah. They get some of the gate. Uh, they're gonna get a chance. Half, they're getting the yeah. Get a chance to go to a big ground and um, uh, get. That's when people talk about replays going away. They talk about the financial impact on the lower league clubs. Um, there's too many fixtures, we all agree on that. Yeah. So Gary Lineker almost posed that um you give the home team you give the lower league team the league team in the lower league the choice of playing home or away. Yes, I saw and him that, that to me is the only logical way to get rid of replays and solve it. Because it gives everyone in the lower leagues a bit of a chance to play either at a big ground or to say, Oh, we fancy ourselves here, let's play at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I don't mind the idea of the um, one-legged stuff like like the cowboy is most of the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't like. Yeah, maybe if you gave them the choice, it'd be a bit better. But if you get two legs out of Liverpool, like Shrewsbury are, 
yeah. you're going to make good money. You, all um, your players get the chance to play at Anfield, which they're going to be buzzing about. One of the fans and yeah. they're going to get to play Liverpool again. Yeah, that's a good point. Probably, probably good never. Point. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about it. Jurgen Klopp is is saying that. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp has basically said he's not managing the next game and he's going to give the reserves team manager a chance to manage a reserves team against uh, Shrewsbury at the Anfield. Uh, I know you want to talk about this. I'm going to quickly go. Um, we talk about the magic of the cup and them getting to play at Anfield and getting to, but part of the thing is you want to test yourselves against the best. You want to play against Firmino and Salah, which is not a realistic expectation at this point. But you still expect to play against Lovren and people like that who could probably, frankly, do with the game. To to basically say we're observing our winter break while you're 16 points ahead in the league is dis. It's it's a bit it's dis, It's a little bit disrespectful to the cup, which is fair enough. If you don't want to win it, you don't win it. But to me, it's to me it's disrespectful to the Shrewsbury players. It's disrespectful to the Shrewsbury manager that you're not managing the game. And to be honest, I think I think he's really he's he's a nice enough bloke. It seems Klopp, but and I get his point here, and I'm with him on there being too many fixtures. But he's taking it in such a way that I'm not comfortable, and I think he's been disrespectful. Dave. Yeah, I think it's. To be honest, I just thought it's disgraceful. Um, the reason he's got the replay is he's not part of a good enough team. It's such a he's... bad time to bring this argument to the table. Yeah, because, because I agree with fixture congestion entirely. Yeah, that, but that he's point created, is correct. He's created this fixture for himself yeah. because he didn't take it seriously in the first place. And then <laughs> what 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 really gets me with this is if it was you know like a midweek game, he's got a league game on the Saturday, can maybe see it. But he still has an eleven-day break um, after the replay before any game, because it's I believe three days into the two weeks off. So, even though yes, they're not getting the full winter break, it's not like they're having to play a game three or four days later. And to be honest, I'd say it's maybe insulting to Liverpool fans. I agree because with the season ticket holders, if they want to go, have to pay for this game. And they're essentially going to end up paying to see their under-23s if they want to go, which is ludicrous. Um, and also, I just think it's a huge disrespect to Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury have earned this Shrewsbury. replay. Um, <laughs> and they're basically being told, oh, you did well against this team, so we're going to throw out the kids. And if you beat us, you've not really beaten Liverpool, it seems. Well, um, yeah. Strawberry, I am. Uh, I'm rooting for you because we'll play you in the next round. You get to come to a proper ground and some proper fans and a proper manager at the bridge. We might play an actual team as well. Yeah, proper team. You probably win as well. Um, on this point, Oxford. Uh, we're just going to go for a few of the other fixtures in the FA Cup over the weekend. Um, but Oxford and themselves a replay against Newcastle. So uh, Newcastle got to go to the Casam now. Um, Carl Robinson. After the game, the Oxford manager said that he wasn't happy about having to play the replay, uh, which I found a little bit bizarre, <laughs> to be honest, because he's the lower league manager. I, I, don't know, I really was not expecting that. Um, but his chairman, obviously, is happy because the amount of money they'll make, it's probably going to be on telly. They'll sell out their stadium. Newcastle are going to bring a full section of fans. Uh, so, I was a bit shocked by that. It's a bit strange. It's got a 
under the radar because of Klopp, Steve Bruce has actually been seething about this replay too um, because they're supposed to have two weeks off. Yeah. And I believe his falls a day later than Liverpool, so they only have 10 days off. Mm. The Newcastle have been hit by, frankly, yeah, an obscene fair. amount of injuries. Um, and for for Bruce, this is just another game where players could get injured. Is he is he sending Mark Carver for next? <laughs> um, right, moving on. Uh, Dave, give me quick thoughts on Brentford versus Leicester. Uh, yeah, Brentford looked really good. Young team, nice attacking football. Leicester's fringe players managed to do well. Justin looks really good. Iannaccio looks like he's hitting form. Uh, main takeaway from this game for me was Brentford having an eighteen-year-old midfielder um, that they signed from. Oh, where's he gone? Oh boy, I can't find him. While he's while Dave's looking well, for that uh, one, uh, um, actually, carry on there. actually, just quickly, um, there is a thread oh, that we will him. be retweeting later all about Brentford's recruitment because it is really interesting. I think I may fantastic. have already retweeted. Have oh, we already retweeted yeah. it? Go and have a look. Go on our Twitter. Have a look at that because it it's is fantastic. It is really interesting the way they do business. I found him, I bottled it. They have loads of Danish players. I was hooked on the idea of Danish. He's not, he's from Czech. Are you Jan, uh, Jan Czech Sam- Republic? Czech Republic. I said Czech. Jan Samberak, his name is, 18 years old, looked really good in midfield. He's actually started most of their games uh, since about October in the league. Really, really promising player. Excellent. Um, Southampton Spurs, just quickly, that's not a replay anyone wanted. Um, Mourinho didn't want it. Hassan Hassan Huttel? Huttel Hassan? Uh, We'll just call him Ralph. Uh, Ralph. Um, He didn't want it. Uh, Ings for England quickly? Yes, yes. Uh, Absolutely. Get him to the Euros. Absolutely not. If we go to the Euros with Danny Ings up front, I'm supporting. We went to a 2006 World Cup with a 16 year old Walcott. Oh, how did that go? He didn't play. He didn't get off the bench. Yeah, Anyway, <laughs> uh, I've got to hold my hands up because last week I said there's no way West Ham get in trouble because they've got too many good players and I'm clearly a moron. Oh, they, I'm serious. They, they might get relegated. <laughs> they lost 1-0 to West, they lost 1-0 to West, West Brom. Um, to themselves yeah, like Moyes, <laughs> Moyes, they've not had a real manager bounce, have they? Not at all. Um, sack him, get Allardyce in. That's what I say. Anyone else, <laughs> everyone else in agreement? Tony Pulis studies shit. Yeah. Um, there's also, again, we'll retweet it later, there's a really interesting article coming out this week after we talked about financial fair play last week that um, West Ham will be in real trouble if they go down and it's a real possibility and it's just interesting for me personally. Yeah, I'd like to say I've been, we've been pretty off on a few things so far on this podcast. Yeah. But last week we had quite a good yeah. week. <laughs> It's it, they do come along once every while. Uh, Chelsea played whole oh, two one. Um, it was a two one result. Chelsea. It was a class. Do you know what? It had. I don't want to sit here and whinge again. There was Emerson was on the bench, which was bad enough. We had Big Willie in goal, which was better because I didn't have to look at Pepper. Um, we scored early. We didn't kill the game until late after having a, missing a catalogue of chances. Chelsea need a striker. Doesn't look like they're going to get one. The bad news today is that Tammy Abraham might play on um, crutches. Jared Bowen uh, looked terrible. I don't... And I, get, I guess he must be good in the Championship, but to me, he looked a lot like how I'd imagine that. He just looked so one one move. I, 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 did, I was not a fan. Um, but... I, to be honest, it's interesting. I heard a lot of good things. About yeah, him. I know. I, I was I was so looking forward to watching him play, and I was looking forward to watching him play against, quite frankly, a terrible Chelsea defence. He's, he's looked really good this year, but I think from what I saw, the whole whole team seemed yeah. a bit overcome by the occasion of playing yeah. Chelsea. Well, they were good, and then they got then the Chelsea just 
Chelsea were a class above, but they just couldn't finish their chances. I mean, Jared Bowen probably looked at the team sheet and thought, oh, God, Kepper and Emerson aren't playing. I've not got a chance. <laughs> um, City beat Fulham 4-0. It was another stupid red card. Um, I don't... Oh, I don't want to rehash last week's points, but I didn't... Oh. Tim Ream captain yeah. again he looked shaky for about 30 seconds in was it he gave it away to him yeah, yeah, um, yeah. then he got then he got turned by was it Jesus uh, I can't remember yeah, who it was I think, I think so. it was Jesus pulls him down oh yeah it was, it's it was, obviously yeah. a penalty it's always going to be a red card and then you your team's got no chance yeah, no away chance. at the Etihad which is lovely to see Get out of here, Fulham. Absolutely terrible club. Well, they're out of the cup, so... <laughs> I mean, I'd love to play him because it's an easy way through. Um, Mike, Man United beat Tranmere 6-0, including a Harry Maguire rocket in Jesse Lingard's first goal. And year. Phil Jones. Did you love it? I, I did love it. I could not believe my eyes, to be honest. We scored six goals. And all of them, separate <laughs> goal scorers from people pretty much, apart from Martial, who you wouldn't have expected to score. Dallow got his first goal. Maguire with a belter. I saw a Phil Jones had a music with a video of Titanic music, and to be fair, that's maybe one of the best things. Can I just say that about you know four minutes in when Twitter blew up about Phil Jones just being covered in yeah, mud on that yeah. pitch? That was one of my favourite parts of it that was, game. It was funny. Um, so good. Quickly, is this the start of Jesse Lingard's return to form? Absolutely not. Okay, good. I'm glad that we're all on the Absolutely same page. Not. Well. <laughs> Um, Monday night game was Arsenal uh, playing Bournemouth 2-1 he was a cl- and again a classic tale of Arsenal season play under Arteta playing well for about 60-70 minutes and then running out of steam the young lads looked really good Eddie Nketiah scoring his first goal since coming back and Saka, Saka, scoring, a, a Saka scoring a belter Gabriel Martinelli continues to impress me he is an absolute player they were really good um, and they've, I mean, they've signed, they've signed a centre half from cover that they needed, mm. and they're after a guy. As of right now, they're looking for a low move for Cedric. I think they're going to be good yeah, the second half of the season. One, that one. Didn't it's, see that coming. It, well, they need, they desperately need cover back. Yeah, there. Bellerin do. looked really good since coming back. Um, anyone else got anything? Uh, Bournemouth looked terrible. Yep. yep. Absolutely terrible. Um, I seem to be the the antichrist Eddie Howe on this podcast. I, the I'm Antichrist just... Eddie Howe. No, I'm not saying he's the Antichrist. I, what are you, what are you saying? <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm the only person on this podcast that seems to be against yeah, Eddie be, Howe. You could be anti him. All right, well, You're not well, the let's devil. drop it. Let's drop it. Um, well, I'll tell you who is the devil. Dominic Solanke. Good God, he's awful to Eddie Howe, isn't he? Um, yeah, I, I think they're going down, to be honest. Yeah, th- thanks, Dave. Um, right, we'll, we'll move on after that incredible wrap-up. <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking, oh, it's not been a gaff this week. There it is, ladies and gents. There it is. Um, moving on to the transfer news. Um, let's start with Ericsson, because he went to Inter for £18 million, I've remembered now. Um, Paul, this is a good move for Inter. Everyone else involved is not happy, though. Mike? Uh, well, yeah, Inter Milan, the big winners, four and a half year deal, I think. So they've got him tied down for a while. It's three hundred twenty k a week, isn't it? Well, yeah, maybe Ericsson is winning yeah. actually. <laughs> well, um, I think summertime he was probably thinking Barca, Real Madrid. He's ended up at Inter, which is no disrespect, but it is a bit of a step down from those two clubs. So he's probably, I'm sure he's happy with the wages, but I would imagine he would have been looking for to be playing for Champions Leagues etc with Barcelona or Real Madrid 
he may well be playing to try and win the Italian league, but he probably won't be doing much too far in Europe uh, with Inter. Conte hasn't got a good track record in Europe. Uh, and I don't think Spurs are going to be... Well, I mean, they got some money in the end <clears throat> out of it. Still yeah. made a profit, like Dave said last yeah. week, which is incredible to think. Um, but you sell him... I know it's hindsight and it's hard to say. Surely they, you take, 18 months ago, they could have maybe taken £100 million or so. Surely you take the, the big money with knowing that he's leaving. Um, I mean, saying that, <laughs> Tottenham, yes, loses and losing Ericsson but at least they've got money for him and he's not gone on a, a, a free at the end of the year is this a different story if Ericsson's playing well this season if he's playing I've, if he's playing well and making, close. and making Spurs tick are you that bothered about losing all that money if you make the top four if you're Spurs yeah, that's what it's about if, if you if they were in going to make top four and he was making them tick then let him go on a free I would say yeah I think top four genuinely mean, well I think it's worth 18 million yeah. to a club we've We've seen this with Ryan Fraser as well in terms of letting your contract run down, affecting your form and affecting the club. I think clubs have to be real, realistic. I think as much as it annoys us as fans when a player almost goes on strike a bit to force a move, I think clubs have to be realistic mm-hmm. with how it's going to affect the dressing room and things like that. Yeah, the, the players in the sorry, the players in the power position really these days. Yeah, you're right. Strange with Ericsson because I feel like he's not ever really been giving 100% this year solely because he wants to leave in the summer anyway. Um, maybe maybe Ericsson's actually been a bit poisonous in the dressing room so maybe it's even better for them to get out, get him out get him out that's what I always say um, Mike uh, before we ruined your mood with our talk about Twitter you had a big grin on your face because you <laughs> Man United after three weeks of me and oh you talking about goodness. it uh, they finally pulled off a signing of Bruno Fernandes from Sporting Lisbon for around about £50 million. And it's it's finally happened. Are you happy? Uh, yeah, I am happy. Um, seems like the the sort of player that we need in that midfield, to be honest. Um, as everyone's been saying, you can't expect him to fix the problems overnight. Um, but Fred's starting to play a lot better. We got McTominay will be coming back at some Fred point. Uh, even Matic, since he's come back into the team, has looked a lot better than he used to. I thought he was done, to be honest. Yeah, his legs looked. Um, you never know we might get Pogba a couple of games in before the end of the season if he decides to turn up so. decides he wants to put in the effort yeah I, th- I think it'll be a good signing um, we just can't expect too much too soon that's all I'd say Dave uh, I think it's a really promising signing um, I mean ideally you want Pogba fit and playing so it has a bit of stability he can maybe be more of a free roam 10 you just need an out and out playmaker yeah. in that midfield and to be honest, I'd actually wouldn't say this a month ago, but I'd probably back Fred to be your third man in midfield. There. I like Fred. Yeah, I think he's come um, on. He's really good in the transition. Particular. Having that quality behind people like Rashford, Martial, and even Dan, Dan James, James, it could really we, we've had add trouble, you to another level. We've had trouble uh, cutting through sides, and he should definitely help with a bit of more creativity. Right. Okay. Now you get to ruin it. Here's what I'm doing. I've taken my big, uh, my big. Uh, bucket of cold water and I'm pouring it on all this excitement I'm not worried about him and I do think he's a good player um, but I've I've spent the day watching because I've seen him play uh, in the Champions League I think or the Europa, Europa I think it was um, and I've been reading loads of stuff about him today 
And my concern is a bit like when we talked about United signing Grealish a few weeks ago. In that sporting team, sporting have not got a lot of good players. And their game plan seems to be um, give Bruno Fernandes the ball and let him do stuff, which to me seems to lead to uh, a lot of a lot of poor decision making at times, um, a lot of long shots when there shouldn't be long shots. He's not particularly careful with the ball, which I think you can get away with more in Portugal. But yeah, less you can get away with it less in the Premier League, especially when teams like your Man United teams are looking to counter attack. Um, I think you're definitely going to see a dip in his production because you would expect that when he's going to a lower league. But I think you might see a further dip in production because we don't know how he plays in a team with other quality players. Um, and that's just, for me, very interesting. The one thing everyone says, he's a really hard worker, um, runs he runs himself into the ground. He's clearly, um, he's clearly talented and he's got a good injury record, which is going to help a club like United. And while I'm, while I have my worries and concerns, I do think he's probably going to work out. And even if he's just a hard-working midfielder that chips in with a chips in with a few goals and can create, that's better than what United are currently offering. Yes, in midfield. it is. Um, just hopefully he's, he turns out to be a slightly more attacking under Herrera. Is probably the. The floor and the ceiling is obviously what he is now, which is really interesting. I'm looking forward to watching him play, actually, and um, he's certainly better than De Bruyne. Um. (laughs) That's for you, Henry Hodgson. Wow. (laughs) Bring on to another player I'm excited to see is, I'm sure we're all going to say his name different, Bergwijn. All right. But it's either, it's Bergwijn or Bergwijn, which is like genuine, who sang Pony. So every time I've seen this thing today, I've just had the pony song going through. Right. So anyway, moving on. It's definitely Bergwen. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with that. He could really be impressive and exciting yeah. to watch for Tottenham. Um, yeah, still waiting to see if they get exciting. a striker. However, I feel like it's going to be time for Sun to shine as a striker. Um, yeah, but who else are they going to play well? Lucas Moura, I wouldn't back up front. Deli Ali. Well, they're talking I'd about. I'd like to see Deli Ali play up front. They're talking about Giroud as well. Is that, that because be... you're a Chelsea fan? No, no. Right? I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely would like to see Mourinho play Deli Ali. Or rather, as a false nine. I'd he rather, won't do it. But... I'd rather he plays Troy Parrott than Deli Ali up top. Well, Deli Ali's other than Son is probably. I just think Son's better out wide. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but going back to um, Burge White. Um, He's got, from what I've seen of him, uh, he seems to have re- really good close control. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got good decision making. Yeah. He's perhaps not a really exciting flying winger like we expect, but I think he's a quality addition to Spurs. And I think twenty seven million for him in the January window represents really good business. He's shock from Daniel Lee. Yeah, yeah. At it again. He looks yeah. very exciting. Uh, also tied up the Celso permanent. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. He like looks really well. good. Yeah, yeah like two, two very good signings, yeah. to be honest. No, which is which is a shame, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. And um, I, I'm enjoying the excitement for the Spurs fans uh, about uh, Bergwijn because uh, in a few weeks Mourinho is going to turn him into Willian. Speaking of Willian, um, Barcelona are apparently interested in him for twenty million. Richarlison, they're also interested in Charlison for eighty-five million. Are you That's, getting your car out again and driving him? There, yeah, I will drive. I'll drive. No, actually, we haven't got enough players. I can't <laughs> drive him there this season. It, Ross Barkley had have driven there. Um, this is all to me a smokescreen because in, in the last two in the last two days we've seen some like some unreal smokescreens involving Barcelona. 
in yeah. the well there was the Bruno, Bruno Fernandes yeah, which was clearly designed to make Man United cough up and pay yeah and here and, we are they've, they've got him now and the one today Barcelona are definitely briefing that they're after all these strikers and stuff simply so they can get Valencia to budge on Rodrigo there you go. yeah and they did this right. <laughs> which is ridiculous because they did the, exactly the same thing in the summer with Neto and Sillison well, Which well is I'd like bonkers. to say if I'm Valencia and I'm, I'm the owner of Rodrigo at the moment and they're talking about 85 million for Richarlison, how, the, how much is Rodrigo worth in my eyes right now? Because yeah. that is a serious amount of money. Yeah. Um, Barcelona, and we'll probably talk about them on another pod because they're, they're a really interesting really club. Really interesting. Um, but uh, their transfer business, they sign good players. Who don't fit in their team? It is, it is appalling. Yeah, it's hilarious. I, I'm look, Antoine Griezmann's one of the best nines, best nines in football, and he looks terrible. Also, Coutinho went there. Oh. Looking, I I think yeah. Coutinho in theory could have worked there. Overrated. Absolutely didn't. He's still for me a quality player. Yeah. Um, I just he's not not for me. I've always thought he's a bit overrated. Anyway, um, let's leave the transfer news there because the only other stuff really that's happening is uh, some rumblings around Giroud and Piatek, but nothing concrete as of yet. Um, let's talk about the Carabao, Dave. I'm sure that <laughs> you loved it as the Villa crashed home a late winner by Trezeguet, who is not actually uh, Trezeguet's son, as my dad keeps saying. Um, <laughs> they won two one late goal. Uh, I mean, Nyland, unbelievable. I mean, um, to be fair to them, uh, the the second goal, what a ball from Al Mahamedi. Uh, oh, unbelievable! You know, it's it's nice to see a, a team that maybe isn't having as good a season as hoped uh, actually doing something in the cup. Um, very fitting that it's almost like Blues did. You know, maybe they get relegated and yeah. Talking of that, um, we had a question from Twitter, yeah. which I think was probably a good time to answer, from yeah. Harry Morgan. Um, he said, he asked, the question was... Um, so, would you rather have so, a season like Birmingham in 2011 where you win the cup and get relegated, or would you rather be a burn, a Prem team such as Burnley that secure middle-table, of middle, mid table, basically? Yeah, it's a good one, this. Yeah, so Dave, I think, given that you, your, club, your club is the example, um, what do you think? I mean, obviously winning a cup is is huge uh, for a smaller team. Um, I mean, it's, it's a tough one, because obviously winning the cup was insane, but we literally have been in crisis ever since we got relegated. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I'd, I'd personally rather take winning the cup. But that's not... Yeah, and to look at Blues... But Blues' crisis after winning the cup is not normal for the situation, really. I mean, um, Wigan? We, but if you, went, if you were to ask Wigan fans... No, of course they're taking they're, the cup. Uh, yeah. I think everyone is taking the cup. We, we, had this, we had this debate a few weeks ago over about... Over the Burnley mid-table. Yeah. I'd rather have experienced what I have than... Watch a Sean Dyche team of Wood and Barnes come maybe 11th or 12th each season. Mike? Uh, yeah, obviously I haven't quite been in the same uh, situation having w- won the Carabao and then gone down. Um, w- so you would rather it that and be where you are now as Blues? No, but that's not a question. It's just a season. Okay, but, yeah. Well, because... 
Not, if you feel like you can come back up, then I'd definitely take the cup. But I'd if you're going to be where Blues are now, then I'd rather stay where I in 12th in the league. I'd take the cup regardless because you can't yeah. you can't put a league position unless it's first in your trophy cabinet. Yeah. Agreed. Like, You've got to take the cup. It was the interesting thing last night for Leicester's because we keep sitting here saying Leicester are having a brilliant season. But if they don't win anything, does it matter? Not really. Like It matters for their status as a club and the players they can get, yes. But unless you win everything, does winning everything, win everything, <laughs> win anything, does it actually matter? I mean, at the end of the day, say Aston Villa were to, to win this cup and get relegated, their fans, I'm sure, would be happier to do that than scrape 17th last day of the season surely yeah I mean it's all irrelevant because because they get they get into Europe City are going to beat them yeah because City are going to beat them like 7 no. in the final <laughs> yeah but the thing is with that cup as well is you get a place in Europe which those teams are not going to get any other way yeah that's true God, Villa in Europe would be a car Inter-toto crash cup flashback would be a car crash um Okay, speaking of Leicester, let's look ahead to the weekend's action because they're playing. Oh, some good games. They are playing at half twelve. The mighty Chelsea. Um, things to watch out for, I think, from a Chelsea perspective, um, they're going to be playing with Mitchy Batshuayi up front. Although he scored against Hull, he leaves a lot to be desired. Sometimes he looks like uh, the second coming of Pele, and sometimes he looks like the second coming of David Harris on a Thursday night. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, in other aspects, I think Leicester, Leicester, a recurring problem for Leicester this season, despite how defensively solid, solid they've been, is that um, Perez doesn't turn his shoulder and cover Ricardo. You saw it countless times in the Villa game as Matt Target kept overlapping and overlapping and overlapping with Greenish. Yeah, Perez actually um, got taken off. Which is going to be interesting against a team like Chelsea because they don't have, um, unless Alonso plays or Emerson, they don't have a natural left foot to overlap. And if Alonso or Emerson play, I'll no longer be watching the game. Um, <laughs> and I just don't think that Azpilicueta can do that job. So it's going to be really an interesting tactical battle. Brendan Rodgers up against um, his former charge in Frank Lampard, actually. Um, how do you guys see this one going? It's at the King Power. Um, it's, it's really interesting, to be honest, because if a, if a top Leicester team turn up, I could see them turning you over, but at the same time, if if Chelsea and Form turn up, and see you turning Leicester over, because both of you at the moment really sitting on the fence there, Dave. Yeah, I, because, I'm not going to do it. Leicester okay. are going to win this game. Yeah, I, Leicester no, are winning I'm this game. I'm backing Leicester to win the game. However, Leicester have gone. Their form's gone a bit iffy. Same with Chelsea recently. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of a better word than iffy, so that's what I've gone with. Um, um, but I would. I would not lie. I would love to see Leicester beat you like four 0 I mean, it's very, it's a very real possibility. But I mean, I think Leicester are going to beat us, and I think they'll be as comfortably. However, I'm only, I'm holding that hope that the last two games we played away against top teams, we've won. Maybe we get, maybe we get some William magic. Don't. Maybe no, we get some Mason Mount magic. I don't know. Yeah, he's having his medical in Barcelona, yeah. William at the moment. So. I'll tell you what: if Ross Barkley and Emerson and Kepper play, I'll. I'm off the cliff. Yeah, people I'm off worried, the cliff. People are worried about Brexit on Friday. Well, Barca fans are worried of William being unveiled. No, to be honest, he would be a vast improvement on Lionel Messi. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the other big game at the weekend is Man United Wolves are playing for what feels like the 748th time. Mike, 
I'd, I'd just like to say this is not the other big game, but it is a game that's happening this weekend. <laughs> well, it involves two real clubs, whereas the other one doesn't. Um, how are you feeling about it, Mark? Are you confident? Uh, no, not really. Um, I don't know if I can be bothered to watch these two play again. It was just so boring the last few times. It's quite interesting. Wolves are apparently tying up that Daniel Pope. He's, he's Spanish, so I'm going to say Podence, but I bet something like Podence um, from Olympiacos. He's a very, very quick winger. Um, it'd be interesting to see a Man U team try and cope with him and Adama if he is fit. He won't Interested. Yeah, we got Williams, don't we? Worry can about hope, it. We can hope. Uh, but yeah, um, Adama's banging form. <coughs> Wolves are more well drilled. Well, Jesus Christ, I'm having a will. Uh, a well drilled team. <laughs> Um, and yeah, to be honest, I could see Wolves. It'd be it'd be a narrow win, but I think Wolves could win this, maybe two one. Um, uh, I'm going one one. Yeah, uh, I am not gonna even guess because oh, now you're sitting on the fence. I'll tell I'll tell you why because I think it's gonna be nil nil. I think it's gonna be dross. There you go. I think right, it's gonna so be a time. We'll join you next week to discuss the four four. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna. I mean, I'm just giving you a bit of hope. Uh, um, couple of games. Too soon the- for Bruno Fernandez. Quickly, Mike. Uh, I don't think he'll play now. Um, the other big game is West Ham versus Brighton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big game at the bottom. Both sides are playing really poorly. We mentioned West Ham earlier. We talked about Brighton in depth a few weeks back. Um, it's at where it's at West Ham. West Ham really need to win this game, don't they, Mike? Uh, yeah, they need to turn something in their favour. Uh, otherwise, this is going to get pretty ugly pretty quick. Well, it's already getting pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, but they're going to be in real trouble if they don't start winning games, particularly. Um, games against teams like in and around them in and around them Great for podcast. example Brighton because their next few fixtures reads Brighton which they might pick up points Man City Liverpool Southampton you've got a chance of points oh there. Daddy Ings of course there's no chance Arsenal Wolves Spurs Chelsea well, there's three points there <laughs> I mean yeah Spurs well yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> taking that as your next eight games that's pretty rough it's not looking good if they don't pick up points Desperately in this game or Southampton. I'd love to see them go down, um, but they, I, th- I think they, they just need to start picking up points. Yeah, they they definitely need to get something there to hopefully kickstart them into the Predictions other games. then, Dave? It's it's a strange one. Both teams have proven this season that they can turn up, um, but most of the time they don't. I'm going to say 2-2. Mike? Uh, I think yeah, Brighton are going to win a tight one, two one. I think West Ham two one, and that's solely based on I need Haller to start scoring some goals. Um, and then there's another really big game in Bournemouth versus Villa. Um, huge game at the bottom, as you said, Mike. To me, the earlier both of them are in massive need of three points. Absolutely. Uh, again, yeah, probably Villa having the better of it at the moment. You would say, obviously, off fresh off the high of the Carabao Cup, uh, and they picked up. Well, both of them picked up results midweek last week before the FA Cup fixtures. Yeah, I would imagine Villa are going to get the result here. Pick up a massive three points, put Bournemouth into more trouble and Dave's Eddie Howe out brigade can carry on. No, it's the Eddie Howe antichrist. Oh, that's right, sorry. Dave? Uh, I think Villa are going to win this. I think it's going to be tight. Uh, However, I think Grealish at the moment is banging form. Uh, I think he could be enough to decide this game, to yeah. be honest. 1-0 or 2-1, and I'm sure Grealish will have a hand in one of the goals. So, you're going... What's your prediction then? Villa. But but Villa how many? Or... How much? Give me. 
Give me an actual scoreline. I'm going to go 2-0. 2-0, he's changed his mind. Mike? I'm going 1-0. Pretty, uh, pretty rubbish game. Yeah, 1-0. Uh, I think Villa will still be riding high. I've got them. To, I think they'll win 2-0. Samata goal scoring his first goal. That's, that's yeah, pre- was... There's a prediction for you. Um, and then there's a tiny game happening between um, two tin pot clubs. Uh, Spurs are playing Man City at the Tottenham Hotspur Arena. I guess it's called that. Um, are we expecting a Mourinho masterclass or are we just expecting normal service from Spurs? I'm, no, I'm from a, City. I'm expecting City to run right with this one. <laughs> um, I really... They've just been playing excellent football. Um, they've already come into their own over the Christmas period. Whereas Tottenham have looked that Mourinho has maybe an even tougher job on his hands. Um yeah, I think when you've got players like De Bruyne, Aguero, Sterling, Mares, who are maybe not Sterling, but yeah, Mares is back we in have form. Mahrez. Um I just can't see Tottenham being able to contain them, to be honest. Yeah, Giri and Assassin. Um, Brez? Uh, I imagine it might not be as good a game as it might be billed to be. Jose's just going to sit there and wait for his hope, maybe hope there's a chance on the counter if Son or Lucas or whoever yeah. it is up top try and use some of their pace uh, against the City defence. It's probably not going to be a good game. City are going to have a lot of the ball. They'll probably score a couple, maybe 2 nil ish something like that would be my prediction to City. I think, I think Tottenham actually stand a chance just simply because City are terrible at defending counter-attacks and Tottenham have got some really good players on the counter. Um, Prediction-wise, I'm going... I think this is going to be 2-2 Tottenham City. Mike? You got out of jail with that one, didn't you? That was a good save. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Um, But yeah, it's a pretty good uh, slate of fixtures, so... Worth yeah. keeping an eye out. Those are um, just those are hard. Well, we picked half the fixtures. That's how many good games yeah. there are this weekend. I'm going to back Man City to win four two. It will be two two, only for Tottenham to collapse at the end. Well, well, I mean that's a pretty safe prediction. Tottenham collapse. Um, if you're interested, not interested in English football, uh, it's a little small game called the Madrid Derby's happening. Um, but to be honest. I just, I just, I'm certainly apathetic towards uh, Madrid. Atletico Madrid are really interesting, <clears throat> though. They're the Diego Simeone. Diego year, Simeone is re- closer to the door than ever. It feels like. Yeah, they've um, not been good. He's got a lot of attacking tools. Just doesn't know how to get the best out of them. Um, anyway, that was that's it for another episode of the In and Around Pod. Uh, Dave, if they want to find more of your Eddie Howe Antichrist takes, where can they find you? Uh, at Dave Harris underscore forty four on Twitter. Mike, you do a bit of football writing. What's the best way for the people to keep up with that and your thoughts on Man United? Um, you might as well just follow the In Around page because that's where all my tweets are going at the moment. <laughs> yeah, you can follow me uh, at Mikey Breslin um, for a few of the links to my articles and stuff on there. And you can follow me at Will Hunt Seventeen, but please don't. Please instead follow us, as Mike says, at In and Around Pod on Twitter. That's where the links for the latest um, episodes go up, and obviously Mike's there talking. And sometimes you'll catch Mike before a Chelsea game trying to bait me into some terrible predictions, which he's won once or twice. But um, anyway, thanks very much for joining us again this week. Um, it's been a pleasure. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, please remember to share it with your friends, family, work colleagues. I don't know you. Pastors, do people still have pastors now? Um, anyway, thanks for thanks for being with us. Thanks very much. Sweet. See you next week.